So anyway, in 2 Peter chapter 1, we uh, saw that uh, a couple of things there that was really important, real, some really important verses. Uh, one was that uh, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness through Christ, uh, through his divine nature, um, so that uh, also that he's given us great, precious and great, uh, exceedingly great promises through his divine nature. So these promises that we have, we we uh, walk with the Lord and we inherit those promises in him. Uh, and we talked about those promises. Uh, and, you know, the promises only only for those that are saints, those that uh, live in holiness and walk in righteousness. Uh, it's not for the it's not for the sinner. It's not for the world. It's not for the hypocrite. It's not for the person that's calling himself the Christian and not living the gospel. But it's, it's for the saints of God, those, those who have a like-minded faith in walking in Christ. So we know that... Um, that Linda, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, and we hold on to that. We, we may not understand it at the time that it happens and times we go through things, but we know and we're confident because of what Christ said, that it's going to work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. What a beautiful promise from God. We have the promise that we talked about in 2 Corinthians 6 that says that uh, if we'll um, not fellowship with the world and, and uh, walk in, in the light and come out from among them and be separate, he says that the Lord will receive us and be a father to us and we shall be his sons and daughters. We had all kind of great promises that if God be for us, who can be against us? We went on and on. And then when we went past that, he says all these promises are for you so that you can escape the corruption and lust that's in the world. Uh, like we talked about the promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, Braxton, can you give me that promise that it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? You don't need to read it. You can quote it. I heard you this morning. Uh, no temptation? That's it. So you escape the corruption and lust in the world by what? By taking that way of escape that he promises us in 1 Corinthians 13 when the temptation comes. So that's good, Braxton. That's good that you're learning those scriptures. That's a blessing. And then he talks about adding things to your faith, right? So you come into faith and you add, uh, add to your faith virtue. Remember what virtue was? Uh, holiness. Holiness in the Lord. And, and, uh, and he talked about adding uh, to your faith virtue and um Virtue, knowledge of really knowing Him and knowing knowing God, and and you know it's it's good. Um, you guys need to you want to spend as much time as you can in the Word of God because you want to get it in. You're not going to really get it out if you never got it in. <laughs> so you get it in so that uh, the Holy Spirit can bring it to your remembrance. In John fourteen twenty six, it says, "But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance." So the Holy Spirit will teach you as you're looking in that word and as you're learning that word, like, oh, wow, yeah, I never saw that before. And, I, and I've been studying a long time, and I continuously see new things. And I get excited. I say, oh, yeah, Lord, that's how that fits. Um, we were talking about a lot of people, uh, they, predators and predatism, uh, Wes was talking about, and I was just praying about it. And uh, we were talking about different things because that, 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 that belief is, is that Jesus has already come. They got some people that believe that Jesus has already come, that the second coming of Jesus has taken place. And I said, that, well, that's not right. And I could go through a bunch of scriptures, but the Lord just gave me another scripture this morning that when I was thinking over last night, whenever I told Wes, I, I, I sent him a text. I says, well, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, we know in part and we prophesy in part until that which is perfect has come. 
And when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away with, and we shall know all things, even as we are known. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then we shall see him see face to face. And I said, Christ could not have, that which is perfect has not come. Christ could not have come back yet because we still know in part. We don't have full knowledge of everything, you know, at this point. We still, there's still things that's going to, that we, we grow in, the Bible says we grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we grow in that. So it's, it's just wonderful when you're in the word and you're studying God's word and you're meditating on God's word day and night, the Lord is speaking to you. He will open things up. He will speak through you. But we know that in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says, The Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your sin has separated between you and your God, and your sin has hid his face from you. So if we have sin in our life that we're not letting go of, then we, we know that God doesn't even hear our prayer. You know, so it's important that we walk in holiness and righteousness in the Lord. So he's talking about adding to these, adding to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, Patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love, or charity. But, it, but the interesting thing about these things that you added to your faith, the scripture says that he that lacks these things is blind. So a lot of people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get some patience, and I'm going to get some real love for my brothers. Then you're, not, you're still blind if that's still going on. You need to repent and, and come to that knowledge of the truth to receive those things in your life so that you have that knowledge and patience and, and so forth, and you're walking in that so and not be blind anymore. Because we know that the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. And that's what you got a lot of today. You got people that are that are even preaching for pulpits saying that they're pastors and preachers and they're still in sin and they're trying to lead other people and what they're doing is they're they're blind people trying to lead people that are blind and if you do that what does it say they're both going to fall in a ditch you're going to mess up you got to remove the moat bible says in luke 6 6 he says why beholdest thou the beam, the moat that's in your brother's eye but you don't see the beam that's in your own eye he said, first take out the beam that is in your eye so that you can help your brother remove the moat. It's not that some people like to use that verse and just quote part of it and never take the beam out. Well, that'd be terrible. You've got a beam up in front of your face. You could put a telephone pole in front of your face, see if you can see on the other side of that, uh, that telephone pole. Todd, you can't see, can you? You end up being blind. All you can see is that black telephone pole. But if you remove that beam from your eyes, then you can see clearly. So you can't really see clearly sin, um, uh, how can you say it, Cedric? Sin, um, it, it hinders you from seeing clearly. Hardens. Yeah, it hinders and it hardens you because you, you've got this beam and you can't see, so you can't help yourself and you can't help your brother, but all you can do is say a bunch of words. There's a scripture that talks about that. Uh, it talks about how they have eyes full of adultery. Yeah, we're going to get into that. That's in the same chapter we're in, the same uh, book, but the next chapter, and we're going to go that way. So you... You get a little ahead, but that's good. So, so here it's talking about, but if you lack these things, you're blind and, and could not see afar off and have forgotten you've been purged from your old sin. A lot of people say, well, you've been purged for your past sin, present sin, and future sin. He doesn't say that here. He says you're purged from your old sin, just like he says in Romans 3.25. He says the same thing, that you purged, that you get cleansed from your past sin when you come to Christ, not your future, because you, 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 if you sin, then you leave your, like Ezekiel 18 says, if you sin 
after you've been made righteous, then you, you lose your righteousness and you lose all the, that you've ever been forgiven for. You go back to your, to your old vomit. You go back to the uh, miry pit of the, of the, of the hog. Well, you you can't you can't really just say it that way because that could be that that could be uh, he died for all sin for those that that come to him and receive that and receive their forgiveness because in other words if you just said that a lost person can say well he died for my sins so all my sins gone that's right. but that, and that's exactly what I'm saying you can always look at things and if I was to look at this past present future and then okay me to do whatever the heck I want to do then that's the wrong perspective. But if I look at it as Jesus took on all sin and died for it, yeah, we never want to okay future sin. And the way you look at that past future, then I could okay it. That's incorrect. But Jesus died for all sin, period. He, remember what he said when, when uh, John the Baptist uh, saw him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Uh, it, it, the Lord would have it that we repent of our sin, turn from our sin, and don't ever sin again. That's, that's, that's what he has to do because you can't really receive salvation until sin stops in your life. That's why he talks about it in First Peter walk, chapter walk 4. Walk. Yeah, walk as he walked. Follow him. It's, it's all about how you're looking and your perspective on it. If, I, if, if I'm a preacher, you've you got a sin nature and you're always going to sin, then the way, that's what you're looking at. But the flesh that we were talking about earlier has desires. Just like when Jesus was here on earth, he was tempted just like we are he overcame it. That's right. So we are to walk as he walked. But that's the thing about this. Is it's, just, it's about perspective and it's about the heart. You know what I mean? Like, I can never okay, I'm going to go mess up when I leave here. That's not it. Yeah, Ben, because that's a good point. Because uh, like it says in, in Hebrews 10, 26, if we sin willfully after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sin. Wes? John. Okay, I'm sorry. Jill? That's right. So really, it's not to me. It's not just a matter of perspective how you look at it. He hasn't taken away our future sins unless we repent of them. That's right. That's right. But he took on all sin when he got on the cross. He, he took, took on, all, on sin. all sin, but he only takes away those that are repented of. If, for instance, if, if I continue in sin, yeah, well, you're lost. He's, not, yeah. he's not going to take away my sin from here on out. That's, that's right. I have the knowledge of the truth, and number two, if I don't repent of it, it stays on me. I take that sin, and it puts me in hell. That's right. But he hasn't taken my future sin away if I don't repent of it. We, we never want to get into God's going to forgive my future sins anyway. Right, but period. It, to me, it's not just a matter of how you look at it. It's I think a matter it's of all what you do. She's right. It, but if I look at it in my mind that he's already going to forgive my future but sins. Not. Well, I know, but I'm saying if I look at it that way, then I could okay it and go do it. If, if you don't think the world operates like that, you're wrong. Because they do. Oh, it, the grace and the mercy. It's incorrect. Right, right. That's right. That's right. Scripture says in Proverbs 28, 13, that he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall be shown mercy, not anyone else. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, can you see me okay? Yeah, you look great. You should have shaved this morning, but other than that, you look good. (laughs) No, he kind of looks good. Looks good on you. Given in 
chapter 4, verse 10, it says, For to this end we both labor and suffer clothes, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. So the potential is there for him to be the Savior for anybody or for the forgiveness of all sins. And, and we're going to get into Second Peter chapter 2 that kind of brings the same concept out. This is where you get into Calvinism um, and where the Reformed people believe that there's a limited atonement and it's only for the elect or the chosen of God, which is a false teaching because, you know, obviously everybody has a choice still to turn to God. So there really is no limited atonement, if that makes sense. But your sins aren't forgiven until you truly repent. And uh, to prove this concept in 2 Peter chapter 2, it says, um, let's see, uh, verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord that locked it and bring on themselves swift destruction. So when they deny the Lord that bought them, so just because you're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, whether they were saved initially and turned away, or these people never were saved, you know, he's the savior of all men, especially of those who believe, meaning especially of those who obey. So mm -hmm. I guess it would be the potential there for your sins to be forgiven, but it depends on if you truly have returned, like Don quoted out of Proverbs 28, 13, he who confesses and forsakes his sin shall have mercy. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's clear. Thank you, Wes. I appreciate that. So he says here in verse 10, um, wherefore, he, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you, you shall never fall. That's a loaded uh, scripture, you know. He, first of all, he's saying give diligence. Like a lot of people think, well, you don't really need to do nothing. You just need to trust in, in the finished work of the cross. Well, the Bible's saying to do something here. It says give diligence. What does give diligence mean? It means, it means put some effort, right? I mean, do, do it. Give diligence. Why? To make your call and election sure. It's kind of like uh, in Philippians 2. It says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, so there's a there's an effort there. It says you have not uh, Hebrews twelve four says you have not yet resisted to uh, sin to the shedding of blood. There's 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 a, there's a part that you do. Now God comes in in a synergistic way and works with you to help you, but it's your initial step to turn from sin. So and he says if you do these things, isn't this nice? If, all you got to do is do these things, and he says you'll never fall. You'll never fall. If you'll just take that way of escape, you'll never fall. Same thing. But yeah, and, and I'm with you. But I wonder, you know, the context. Are we talking about sin? Are we talking about what? What we, the word stumble? I mean, what is it? Just, stumble means to fall away, oh, to, to fall miss away. And, uh, and to miss the mark. Okay. Uh, so um, you know, this is this is talking about your walk in the context of what we're talking about. We're talking about adding your faith. He's talking about a blind, being blind. You know, and, and forgotten that your sins were, were purged. So he's talking about sin, that you, you will never stumble. You will never fall away. You will never miss the mark. You know, you'll, you'll walk in righteousness. Call an election sure, but I'm not quite 
That means to watch out. It means okay, okay. Let me, I'll put it to you this way. Let's first First Peter five five and nine says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around." So you're being sober and you're being vigilant when you give all diligence to make your calling election sure. You walk in the gospel. You're walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You're pleasing God by not walking in the flesh. That's giving diligence. You're, you're in God's word. You're studying to show yourself approved. You're spending time in prayer. You're praying without ceasing, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, so you, you're well, doing God, all these things. Walking in the spirit, you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It kind of goes to coincide with that. Yeah, really good. Um, mm -hmm. But the, okay, so diligence is just being very proactive and really being on By not letting up. Yeah, you stay with Stumble, it. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. So you put your hand on the plow, and you're looking straight ahead, and you don't look back. You keep going. You don't do like Lot's wife, who came out of the city for a little while, but then she looked back. She didn't give all diligence. She looked back, and she turned to a pillar of salt. Okay? okay. <clears throat> so let's go on. Um, for so an interest shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, if you only had that much of the Bible from verse 1 to verse 11, you'd have enough. Because he said, this is the entrance to enter into the kingdom of God. This is where the gates are open. I want to show you one other scripture with this. Go to, hold your place here and go to Revelation chapter 22. Now, this is the last chapter of the Bible, the book of Revelation chapter 22. A lot of people like to say, well, you know, uh, they, Paul, uh, Paul and all those and some of the other disciples changed the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, the things that to make it to heaven are different now. You don't really have to do what Jesus said. You only have to believe in the finished work of the cross. You only have to believe and get imputed righteousness, which they calling a, a transfer of, of Christ's righteousness to you as, he, as he, you transfer your sin to him. No, all that comes from false theology. They twist, they twist it, yes. Most of it, most of it, yeah, Hebrews and, and Romans, yes. Uh, but here in chapter 22, and I love this because it, it really explains to me and shows me and should show you also that the teachings of Christ and the commands of Christ that he made in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before any other epistle was ever written. The other epistles that were written by Paul and, and Timothy and, and, and Titus and Peter and all these guys weren't to change the gospel. They were just to explain more and open it up more with more revelation. They, the gospel, there's only one gospel. The Bible says if anyone come preaching to you any other gospel than what Paul is preaching, which Christ has preached, let him be accursed that the gospel of Jesus Christ remain. And here in Revelation chapter 22, the last book of the Bible, that you would think if it had changed, Christ would have said it changed it. But listen to what he says. In verse, in verse 12, he says here, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work, as, he, as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments. The commandments, Jesus, remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus, what do I need to have eternal life? Jesus says, the command, he quoted the commandments. What did he say to the guy in Luke 10, the, the lawyer? And when he asked him, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Braxton, what is written in the law? So here he comes back at the very last chapter in the last book, of the Bible, and he says here, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life. Now we know 
remember he took the tr Adam and Eve away out of the garden, away from the tree of life. Why? Because if Adam and Eve ate of the tree of life, they would have lived forever. So, but here he says at the end, those who keep my commandments will have the right to eat of the tree of life. What happened? You live forever. You're immortal. You're, you, you're incorruptible. And so he says, and may enter in through the gates into the city. You don't want to be shut out of the city. <laughs> you want to be able to get into, into heaven. You want to be able to get into the new Jerusalem, uh, into the city. For outside, for without are dogs. I don't mean like the dogs that bark around here. I, I mean, dogs were considered people that, that were not right with God. Okay, so he's saying were people that, that harsh were not right. And sorcerers, whoremongers, and murderers. And if you hate your brother, you'll, you'll murder and idolaters, and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. So he says, you're not going to make it in if you're not keeping the commandments of God. This is the entrance. The, I just talking about the entrance into the city. Okay, and that's what he's talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11. He says, for so is an entrance. What's the entrance into? The city. Shall, it shall be ministered. It's going to give it, be given to you abundantly into to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow, isn't that good? I like that. And Peter says this, and yea, and I think it means, as long as, I, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, in this body, in this piece of meat, to stir you up in putting you in remembrance, I want to stir you up, telling you what, in this book, what's going to happen about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and about living for Jesus Christ, knowing that shortly I must put off this body, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. The Lord showed Peter that he was getting ready to die. Now, history tells us, how did Peter die? Does anybody remember? That's very good, Ben. Yeah, because he felt, that they said he felt he wasn't worthy to hang on the cross upright, so he had him, you know, flip him upside down and hang on the cross. Uh, you know, that's what I've, I've read in Fox's Book of Martyrs and things. It's not written in the Bible, but so those things have just shown us through history. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my de decease, after my death, to have these things always in remembrance. He says, man, don't, rem don't forget what I'm telling you. Now, pa now, Peter is dead, of course, and he says, I want you to keep talking about this. And that's what we're doing tonight. Why is that, Ben? Romans 13, is the he says, love is the fulfillment of the law. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, that is the fulfilling of every commandment there is. Because love works no ill to his neighbor. So love is going to cause you, if you're in love with the Lord and you love with, with others, you're not going to do anything to hurt them. So if you're not doing anything to hurt anybody else, you never sin. Because that's what sin is. It's transgressing God's law. It's trans, if, if I'm going to, if I love Todd Rio, and I do love you, Todd, uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm, I'm not going to see a $10 bill hanging out of his pocket and just go over there and grab that $10 bill because I, I love him. I, I don't, I, I don't want to take his $10. I might put a $10 bill in his pocket, but I don't want to take one, you know, because it doesn't work any ill. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, do anything to hurt Todd. 
I'm going to do whatever I can to help Todd. I'm going to try to look out for Todd and, and make sure and pray for, I pray for Todd every day. I pray for all of y'all guys every day, you know, because I want God's blessing on, on Todd and, and on, on my brother. And so love fulfills that. And that's what we walk by is love because that's what we want the best for. Now, it's not the type of love that the world calls love. Let's get that straight. It's not a lovey-dovey type of thing where you just, oh, well, I just feel this love and I feel it, feel it, feel it. It's not about that. It's, this is a love that goes much deeper than that. It's a, an agape love that comes uh, from the Lord that where you, and, and you have, and you, you, where you just really love somebody that kind of way. Uh, it's not, it's not the, the, dog, the puppy dog love. It's, it's a real love. And sometimes love can be mis, misinterpreted. I was talking to Jill the other day, and I, I said, you know, the world follows a different Jesus than what we know. And I'm going to give you three illustrations. One thing is, is Jesus said this. They said, Jesus, your mother and your father and your brethren are here to see you. Your mother and your brethren are here to see you. Jesus said, who is my mother and my brethren? But those who hear my word and do it. If I said that and it was somewhere, probably somebody would say, man, you're being really harsh, man. You know, this is, that's some pretty tough words. Or, or what about this? One man says, Lord, uh, I, I want to follow you. And Jesus, and he said, but first let me go and bury my father. He just died. And Jesus says, let the be dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. You think, wow, man, I can't go to his funeral? The Lord says in scriptures, don't even go to the funeral of those that are wicked. You know, he says, don't, don't do that. And you think, man, that's being kind of harsh, Lord. What about the guy that said, uh, Lord, I'll follow you. And he says, he says, but let me go bid my family bye first. Let me go tell them all bye. Jesus said, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. You see, but Jesus loved. And that was the love of God because he knew that we're not looking at this world we have a kingdom that can't be taken from us. We're looking for a kingdom whose builder and maker is God. This is not our home. Jesus wanted people to understand the most important thing in your life is walking with God. And sometimes it hurt people. Sometimes it disturbed people. Some people thought, I mean, that's the reason they hung him on the cross. Because he didn't have the lovey-dovey thing that they thought he should have. Because he, he stood for what he believed and he did things that some people didn't understand. That's why it's important to really know God, to really walk with God, and then you really understand why he said certain things, why he does certain things certain ways. Because the natural man can't understand the things of God. They don't even understand them. Don't even want to. They'll use those kind of things and talk against God. But God stood up against the core of man and and. and and spoke against false doctrine. In, in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, I think it's seven times the Lord called the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, he called them a bunch of hypocrites. Seven times in that one chapter. You know, because he, what was he doing? Were you just trying to get a mad Lord? No, he was trying to wake them up. Trying to let them see reality, because they were a bunch of hypocrites. Stephen got stoned to death because he, he said, man, it was a bunch of stiff neck and hard-nosed people that, because they wouldn't listen to the truth. He said, you're like your fathers. You know, you fought, you, you're walking in, 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 in a wrong way. So you, there's an understanding of God, but the only way you can really understand is to walk with him, to come to him and walk with him. Does he love you? The Lord loves you more than anybody could possibly love. But when we turn away from him, then you, you become on your own. 
He still causes the sun to rise on the, on the just and unjust and rain, rain on the just and unjust alike. But uh, anyway, I, I just thought I'd throw that in there for you. Uh, anyway, let's go back to um, for verse, uh, we just read verse 15. Let's go to verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. In other words, we're not telling you our opinions. And today, in re- today's religion, you get a lot of people's opinions. They just talk. You go to a, a place that's supposed to be church, and they, you hear a lot of talk, and you hear a lot of opinions, and all this instead of the Word of God. I want it to always be, when we meet together, we're in the Word. We're letting the Word of God speak to us. We're going to receive the Word just the way it is, and that's the authority. Not me or anybody else in here. Not any, nobody. My opinion doesn't mean anything, but God's Word means everything. So he said, we, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he, for, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Let's go to the holy mount. Let's go there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. Let's see what actually happened there since we're on that subject. Matthew 17 verse 1. I want to read from verse 1 um, to verse uh, 9. Uh, Cedric, would you read that for me? Oh, I caught you off guard, huh? <laughs> Who else has it right now? You want to read? You want to? Okay. Raiment, which is his clothes, was white as the light. And behold, there appeared upon them Moses and Elijah, Elijah, talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee. One for Moses and one for Elijah. While they they spoke, while they spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, which said, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am and well pleased." Hear ye him. Would you repeat that? This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. One more time. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Okay, there you go ahead. <laughs> no, you did good. No. But look what happened. They're, they're, the Lord takes them up on this mountain. 
another another part of the another chapter also also says that they were they were heavy with sleep and they fell asleep even while they're there. But when they wake wakened, they see Jesus and he's clothed in his glistening white clothing, white raiment, and two other people are there with him, right? Moses and Elijah. Now, had Moses and Elijah died? Elijah never died. He was taken up in a chariot. Moses went to the top of the mountain and died, right? But even though he was di died, he's here. He's alive, okay? And he's with them. And they're, they're, they're conversing, and they're talking about the death that Jesus is going to take on. They, they're going over that. And the, and the uh, disciples come out, and just like man, man wants to build himself a... a, a a fellowship. So let's 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 take and build us three buildings here, the three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And immediately when they said that, they didn't know what they were saying. Poor guys. The, a cloud came over him and overshadowed him. David probably knows that he goes in clouds in the airplanes, you know. And 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 you up and they were up in the middle of a cloud, is what they were. And you can't really see anything, huh, David? When you're in a cloud, you you just you just uh, it's just like gray smoke all over or whatever. And so, this, but this voice comes out of this cloud, and the voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. That is the tremendous message, right, from the Father saying, listen to what Jesus said. Remember, Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? The Father said, hear ye him. So pay attention when Jesus speaks, is what he's saying. Do what he says. Because why? Because Jesus held the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So I just wanted to bring that out, what Peter is talking about there. Peter was one of the ones that was with him. Remember, it was Peter, James, and John that was with him. So he, I, he was an eyewitness of what happened up there. And they didn't even speak of it until Jesus said, don't say anything to anybody until after the resurrection, until after I resurrect. So now he tells us that and shows us in his word what, what he's actually what actually happened there. Okay, then it says, then we'll go, go to verse 19. It says, we also, uh, verse 19 of, of, of 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, if you turn back there, he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. All right? Um, I want to know, what do you think, what do you, anybody, what do you think that means? Anybody, Cedric, uh, uh, Wesley, any of you? Until, uh, verse 19. Okay, Wes. I would say the sure word of prophecy is going to be what he said previously, that they were eyewitnesses. They're not telling the divisive fables, you know, which is just like hearsay, you know, um, this is what we believe or their interpretation of something. They said we were eyewitnesses. We saw him, we walked with him, we tangibly were with him. These are his words, not our own. And so I would say that that's really the meaning behind it. And, uh, you know, no scripture is given for any private interpretation. And, you know, if it's going to be clearly seen. So these people that want these uh, fables, if you just do like a word search on fables, you're going to see in 2 Peter 4, 4, it says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned aside to fables. You know, and that's what these people I don't. I don't have. I don't. I don't have a Second Peter four or four in my Bible. Oh, Second Timothy. Okay. 
I thought maybe you had a different Bible, Wes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. I got you. <laughs> um, and, and that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. But I want to key in on verse 19 where it says, Where do you t- take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart? When will the day star arise in a person's heart? Where they, where they come and uh, where they're not seeing dark. And you, uh, uh, so it's shining brighter and brighter as that day comes. Uh, it reminds me of uh, like um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where it says that, that um, uh, day by day our body, our physical body is wasting away. But uh, our, our inner man, the, the spirit man is being renewed day by day. Uh, what I also, what I sense it is, is in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, now we see through a glass darkly, or a mirror. He says, but then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. So, as you walk in the Lord, more and more things get revealed, that light gets revealed more and more. It's not that you're going to get holier, it's that you're going, to be, you're going to get more and more knowledge as you go until finally the day when you face the Lord and you'll know even as you're known. So that's that day star rising in your heart. It's that light gets brighter and brighter as you walk with the Lord and of, of the knowledge and understanding. Paul wrote uh, and prayed that we would be filled with the knowledge of the love of Christ, which passes understanding, he says. That it passed the love that Christ has for it. It passed. You can't even understand it. It's so, it's so, so great. Paul had disciples, correct? Yeah, I mean, I mean, not like a twelve disciple type right, thing, but just followers. He had followers. You know, okay, so we read the book of Acts where it talks about the road to Damascus and, and Paul's transformation, and we all of a sudden we know that he wrote primarily the whole New Testament for the most part. But I never really read into it. I've kind of been studying that he had like a whole following. I mean, there's books of the Bible that are kind of written kind of like to Paul, wasn't it? Paul uh, traveled. He was he was like a, an evangelist that traveled a lot in established churches all over. Um, he went all over the place of sharing the gospel and, and establishing small churches, uh, big churches even. So God used him greatly in, in helping and establishing those. And those, that, that was the reason he wrote so many books. He was writing letters to the churches that he had established. Okay. All right. Um, then we go on and it says, um, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Wes spoke of that a little bit just now. Uh, give me an example. Somebody, give me an example of somebody uh, having a private interpretation. Uh, you can take it, for example, like if somebody over spiritualizes something and they see it in their own way, and they say, "Well, this is what I believe the scripture says," and then mm-hmm. preaching from their perspective or their mentality, and that could become a commandment of men. That's that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Cedric. That's an important thing. A lot of people try to uh, spiritualize. Uh, everything is written in the Bible. And what I mean by that is they'll put a different meaning and a different take on it because they feel like uh, that, that it has a spirit meaning and not just a literal meaning. And some things do have, um, like, for instance, put the whole armor of God on, take the helmet of salvation 
Um, it doesn't necessarily mean take a literal helmet and put it on, of course, okay? But it gives the, so somebody could say, well, let's see, he's spiritualized there, so we're just going to take everything, we're going to spiritualize it. But he explains what that helmet is as a protection from, you know, it's, it's putting armor on to fight against the wiles of the devil. But a lot of people, they'll, they'll spiritualize things so much that you can't, you can't, um, you can't go back and correct because they believe they have this spiritual meaning that's not written in the simplicity of the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says that all scripture is God-breathed or is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for correcting, for, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, perfect unto every good work. So the only way that, the way that we have, that we have to correct one another if someone gets out of line is the word of God. The word of God is the authority. So if, if something uh, I'm saying or something somebody is saying that is not written, then I want to use the word of God to explain why what they're saying is not, is not there. For instance, uh, and today we, we can have people that have private interpretations and in saying that, um, that a certain scripture means that uh, we're imputed righteousness of, of, of that we had an exchange, that Christ gave an exchange uh, on the cross that he became he became, he took our sin and became sin for us rather than just a sin offering. He became sin that we had an exchange of exchanging our sin for his righteousness. You see, that, that's a man-made doctrine because the scripture doesn't say The scripture says that Jesus offered himself as a spotless lamb. Listen to this, Ben. Without blame, without blemish. So as a spotless lamb, he could not have had your sin on him. Because then he would not be a spotless lamb. He would not be without blemish. The requirement for what he had to do, he had to, it had to be a lamb that was spotless, without blemish. If he took your sin on, and they say, well, God, so God took his wrath out on Jesus because he took on our adultery or our fornication or our lies. And, all the, and, and he was hanging there on that cross as being a liar, a cheater, a fornicator, an adulterer. That's, almost, that's like blasphemous to me. Because the Bible says that he was a lamb, spotless. He was pure. He was holy. He didn't do that. He died on the cross as a perfect lamb and a perfect high priest so that we could be forgiven of our past sin, not a substitute for us. Yeah, and, and, but the word it really there, if you look up all the other scriptures and look up that, it's, it's actually the word sin offering. The King James renders it that way, but it's a sin. He became a sin offering for us. Uh, so in, in that way, you could say he was sin in that way, but not as an exchange. King James says, for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mm -hmm. That's King James. That's what I said. That's what's that's where, that's, where it come, that's where it comes from. That he became our sin. And so it's been taught this way. I'm with you. I, I, I'm on the same page of, yeah, he was without spot and blemish. He was that lamb that was crucified. But man has taken this and skewed it that he became, he became sin. Because that's what it says. He, 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 but all over the scriptures, and I'll show you a bunch of them when we get done, where it talks about that he was a sin offering. And, and that's what, and, and if you go back in, in the Greek and you look at what that is and you read it correctly, it's actually sin offering. 
Uh, and it does even if that even if it said even if that was correct even that doesn't mean that he that he took your sin on and and hung there with your sin. He died for our sin. If you go back even in the Old Testament, uh, when they offered up bulls and he goats, they offered them up for for their sin. The, the bull and the he-goat had to be blameless. It couldn't be one that had a, a broken paw or, or one-eyed or anything like that. It had to be the best that they possibly had to die for, for, for the sins of the people. If you could say, well, well, he put our sin on, he had to become, that goat had to become sin for us, then they'd have a raggedy goat come up there to do it. You know, no, they had the best. Jesus was the best. He didn't have any sin. The father did not uh, betray him. He was he was he was a perfect sacrifice. He had to go as a perfect sacrifice. Can Peter go up? I will have to go. Okay, for um, okay, here we go again. So so no private interpretation. For this prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's a good scripture when people say to you, well, the Bible's written by a bunch of men. You know, they were just writing what they thought. No, the scripture actually says here that they wrote, they were holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The word of God was penned by the Holy Spirit through man. It wasn't man's words or man's thinking. It was God using that and working through them. Okay. Any questions on on First uh, Peter chapter, Second uh, Peter chapter one so far? Anything I, I want to move on to Second on to, on to Second Peter chapter two, whenever you're ready. Everybody ready? No questions. Okay. Right. Okay. Second uh, Peter chapter two verse one. So he, he ends it there that. That these men were moved by the Holy Spirit. What? Yeah, eighty percent. Second Peter chapter two and verse we finished off with First uh, Peter chapter one verse twenty one that they spoke as they were uh, moved by the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. But there were also there were false prophets, deceivers also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who in secret or privately shall bring in wrong teachings or damnable heresies. Uh, false teachings, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Kind of reminds me what James said about Paul's teaching that they twist them to their own destruction. But he says that they would deny that the Lord had, had bought them. Let's talk about that just a minute. Um, did the Lord buy you? Did he pay for you? He paid the price for you? Uh, when you came to the Lord and you repented of your sin, did you, like, surrender your life to the Lord? Yes. Right? Okay. So whose life is it now? Is it your life or is it his life? His life. I remember when Jesus said in, um, in, in the gospel, he says, he, when they brought him a coin, they said, 
what should we do with this? He says, whose inscription on this? They said, well, it was Caesar's. He says, then render unto Caesar the things that's Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's. So if you belong to God, so what do you do? You got to pay up. You render unto God what is his. Uh, another scripture for that is in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Uh, it says, says that also, um, just to read it real quick. In 1 Corinthians 6, and we'll go to verse, uh, we'll start at verse 15. It says, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a prostitute, a harlot? God forbid. You got people that's doing this that are professing to be Christians. This is horrible. What know you not that you that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. Now somebody thinks, well, that means I mean I can just go with another woman, you know, and, and go live with her. Uh, she's not really a harlot, you know. We just live together and one day we're gonna get married and it's gonna be just fine. No, when he's talking about a harlot here, he's talking about anybody does that fornicates outside of marriage. They're harlots. If they fornicate outside of marriage. That's what he's talking about. If you're not married to them. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Stop fornicating. Flee from fornication. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. Is without the body. This is why fornication is one of the worst sins there is. Because you're using the body that belongs to the Lord. And you're taking it and you're joining it with somebody you're not married to. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? You put the question mark. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? What's, if you're the temple, you, like, you got to picture your body like it's the church. It's the temple. Who's supposed to dwell in the temple? God in the Holy of Holies inside of you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He says which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Why aren't you your own? That's right. For ye are bought with a price. There it is again. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. So going back to 2 Peter chapter 2, he says they will deny that the Lord bought them. How do you deny that the Lord bought you? By living for yourself. If you're living to please this body, this flesh, you're denying that the Lord bought you. And that's what's being preached today. It's okay to sin. It's okay to fornicate. As long as you accept the Lord, that's okay. They're all doing it. it it's become so prevalent in society today that it's totally accepted by society as being a normal thing. Nowadays, most people don't date and become, stay virgins but they end up fornicating and then decide to get married after a while. That's not God's way. That's eternal damnation way. So he says, that's what's being taught. And that's what's being taught in our day. It wasn't even like that when I was your age. Some of you's age anyway. When I was younger, uh, things have changed dr drastically. Uh, Larry Terry, uh, Lynn, you can remember. I, I, you know, I don't know. It maybe wasn't just in the South, but uh, you may even remember. I don't know. You, you might be too, too, uh, too young. But 
But uh, if somebody, I told you daddy this the other day, though you remember when I was with your dad. I said, um, if somebody uh, was living with someone outside of marriage, that was a, whoa, man, look what's going on. Mom and dad be man, that was horrible. Or if you got a divorce, or if there was homosexuality, all that was just like, no way. It was very, very, like, unheard of. Today it's accepted. It's because we live in the last hour of the last days. So it says here, they deny the Lord about him uh, and will bring swift destruction. Said, and many shall follow their immoral or pernicious ways, their, their immoral ways, their sinful ways. By reason of whom, look at this, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Wow. The way of truth. What's the way of truth? To live in holiness. To live a holy life. To stop sinning. Somebody, some of these pictures I hear on here are saying, saying that you are sinning and you're going to hell if you're trying to stop sinning. That, that's, that, that's evil. That's wrong. Just try to stop sinning. Because you 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 putting the grace of God to an open shame, you should just walk in in faith and 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 uh, and just let the grace of God take care of all that, and God's forgiving your future sins and all this kind of stuff. But He says, but the way that we walk, why why, does it, why is there so few of us in the earth? Because the way this way is spoken of as, um, as evil, because you're living in holiness, because you're going against the core. Jesus' way was spoken as evil when he lived on earth. That's why they crucified him. Because he told the truth. Because you're different. You're not going along with the crowd. And most people will say, well, you know, you, you think you're just a few of y'all. You think y'all right out of everybody else? You think, how could you be right? The majority is saying the other, other thing. Well, I wonder how Noah felt. You know, he was all alone. And they're they thinking, oh, Noah's really a mess. <laughs> Or, or, or how about uh, Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah? What do you think? Boy, he's, he's a nut. You know, that's what they would think. And, and through covetousness or greed shall they with lying words make merchandise of you. They twist the words to come to their own destruction. Whose judgment now a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. It's coming. Then he reiterates something here in verse 4. He says this, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, his own angels, his first creation, if God didn't spare them that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved of the judgment, and he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher. He was a preacher of righteousness, of that you had to do right, that you had to obey God, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Let's, let's just look at, let's just stop there just a minute and, and think about these two things. He didn't spare the angels, which is his most marvelous creation. Angels were created to praise God and worship the Lord. As a matter of fact, Satan himself was an angel at one time. He's a fallen angel. Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, there's going to come a time that, that uh, there's going to be a fight in heaven of Michael the archangel against uh, Satan and his angels, and the angels and Satan are going to be cast to the earth. And then it says, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, because they know their time is short. They've got a short period of time, and then the enemy's really going to come. And whether that's just happened or whether it's going to happen, happen soon, we'll, we'll see. 
But what were the people like in the time of Noah? I mean, that's to take note of because history shows us that there really was an ark that landed on Mount Ararat somewhere near Russia. So this did happen. What were the people like that lived in that day? Look at, Reve look at Genesis chapter 6. Here's what they were like. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. They certainly weren't casting down imaginations and everything exalted himself above the word of God. Whatever came into their minds, they did it. They were fighting. They were uh, sexually immoral. They were, uh, they were a mess. Wes, you got something to add to that? Yeah, they're eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the, the ark door was shut. And to go along with this, obviously we're not there yet, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, it kind of says the exact same thing, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days, mm -hmm. walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the this creation, for this they willfully forget that, that the word of God, the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of water and in the water, but which the world that existed perished in the, uh, the flood with water. So that's the day, re relating to the days of Noah. They willfully forget it, like you're saying. And this is alluded to the same concept in Jude. You know, Jude says the same thing. And I don't know if you're going to touch on that, but these people are scoffers. They're scoffing. They're saying it's not going to happen. God's not going to come. He's not going to judge. We can live like this. It doesn't matter. And they're secretly introducing this heretical teaching that it doesn't matter how you live. Amen. And that's what, that's why it says, Jude mm -hmm. says, they twist and, and the grace of God into a license to sin. But he also says that they creep in and they introduce this teaching and they, they won't just go out right and say it in front of everybody. They'll like whisper it here, whisper it there, maybe after the fellowship. Hey, you know what? I heard, you know, that this is this interpretation of this scripture. So because they know if you're the around strong people that know the Bible, that will expose the heretical teaching. They'll secretly say it and whisper it to other people that are what? Weak or may not know the Bible as well as others. And that's how it happens. Amen. Thank you, Wes. And if you go further with in Genesis 6, it says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So God repented. God changed his mind about making man because man was so evil at that time. Um, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and fowls of the earth, and it repented me that I had made them. And uh, that's the Holy Ghost just coming in, uh, <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, but uh, then it says, but Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Ben found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Cedric found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Huh? That's right. Praise the Lord. Now, when Noah on the back end had some, some, he fell away, 
Well, let's just go, go a little further first. These are the generations, Noah. Look what it says. Noah was a just man. He was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. He was a righteous man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Now, that doesn't mean that Noah always walked perfectly with God. But at this time, he was walking with the Lord in righteousness. So just like us, you can be walking in the Lord right now in righteousness and walking perfect with the Lord and you can fall away. So whatever Noah did in the future doesn't matter. At this time, he was walking as righteous. Hebrews, it says once you've had that. Yeah, chapter 2 that we're in, that we later on in verse, it says that, uh, that uh, those that fall away, it's like the dog returning to his vomit. Uh, so, yeah, people, you can always fall away. You can, because God never takes your choice away. It's your choice. Okay, back to um, 2 Peter chapter 2. 648. Okay. Chapter 2. Um, let's go down. Verse 6. Uh, did I read verse 5? And he's fair not the whole world, but save Noah, the eighth person, the preacher of righteousness, bring in the flood upon the world of God. Okay, we read that. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. God makes it where you don't have any excuse. He's, he's showing, he said, man, I'm showing you these as examples of what happened by you, just, by you turning from me in walking in unrighteousness, this is what's going to happen. You've got to live this life out. You've got to continue. He that endures to end shall be saved. Give diligence to make your call and election sure. I'm warning you so that when you come to judgment and you stand before me, you won't be able to say, well, I didn't know. He'll say, well, I told you. Remember, you were sitting there in that living room and you were reading the word and you saw it. I warned you by what I had done to others that I would do this to you too if you did that, if you turned away from me. He makes it where we are inexcusable because you have the word. You're being told the word. He said, well, that's scary. Well, it maybe it needs to be if need be because the Bible says that by the fear of the Lord, you depart from evil. This is coming. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're seeing that this happen as an example to them to show us not to go in that same direction. What happened to in Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah? Totally immoral. Go to uh, Genesis. Huh? They messed up. What? Yeah. Genesis, uh, let's go to uh, chapter, uh, let's see, 18? Yeah, 18. The angels came and the Lord was there and uh, speaking to Abraham, uh, told Abraham to begin to cook for him, ask him to stay, he recognized them as being the angels from the Lord. Ministers from the Lord, and uh, they cooked. Sarah cooked up something for them, and they offered it up, and uh, and here they are, and they um, kind of looks like they're kind of just sitting around, and uh, Abraham is out talking to uh, 
the angels and angels says, listen, this thing about you having that baby, you're gonna have, Sarah's gonna get pregnant and have a baby. And Sarah was in the tent laughing, you know, says, man, I'm, all, I'm 90 years old, man. How's that gonna happen? And she's kind of laughing about it, you know? That's what the Bible says here. And, uh, and Sarah denied that she laughed, but later when the angels took out, I think she got kind of scared. And uh, so anyway, uh, the angels said, well, we can't hold this back from Abraham. We need to tell him, you know, we need to tell him what we're here for. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, he said, verse 20, the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is so bad, I will go down now and see whether they have done, I'm going to go witness this, whether they've done what is going on in there, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. And uh, Abraham begins to plead, because he loves Lot, his, his nephew, and he says, uh, listen, he said, if there's, if there's 50 people there that are righteous, will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for 50 people? And the Lord said, if there's 50 righteous people there, and I'm going to get to you in just a second with there's 50 righteous people there. Um, I won't destroy. And uh, Abraham comes back. He says, um, just to give you certain numbers, he says, well, what about if there's 30? Would you not destroy if there's 30? God says, no, if there's 30, I won't destroy. And Abraham says, look, bear with me now, but, but what, what if there's 25 there and that are righteous? Would you destroy it? And I won't destroy it for 25. And he gets down to 10. He says, well, what? He says, Lord, pardon me. Don't get mad at me, but... What if there's 10 there that's righteous? Will you destroy it? And he says, no, not, not this. But it wasn't even 10. It wasn't even 10 people righteous. So, the, so they departed. They left Abraham. They go on down the lot to Sodom and Gomorrah. They go up to Sodom and Gomorrah. They get there in the evening. And they're just going to stay outside and, and, and lot sees them. And he goes out there and he says, man, y'all come, come in and stay at stay my house. Come get in my house with me and eat with me and stay with me. And he says, uh, no, we just hang out. Lot knew what kind of stuff was going on over there. He says, "No, come in my house. I insist." You know, because he knew that they were going to uh, really get 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 some things coming at him if they stayed out there. And so they they went in the house with him. And uh, angel said uh, to him, "says Listen, you need to get your family together. Whoever's going to come, tell them to come." And so um, Lot went to see his son-in-laws and tried to say, "His son-in-laws, man, you need, we got to get out of here." They're, they're these angels here, they told me that it's going to rain fire and brimstone down, and the city's going to be destroyed with you. You've got to get out of here right now. And then they, they kind of just mocked him and laughed at him, and they wouldn't go. And so he goes back to ask, man, they're not going to come. And then, then by the time all the young and old people in Sodom and Gomorrah began to surround Lot's house, and, uh, said, and they began to yell out, hey, uh, Lot, send out those men that are in your house with you. Send them out to us. Uh, they wanted to have, have perform immorality with them. And uh, Lot says, no, no, I don't give you anything, but no, not these, no, you, you, you're crazy, no. So they started to bang the door down. I mean, they wanted to get to them bad. And Lot's trying to control the situation. The angel says, listen, Lot, just step back. Just get out of the way. And they closed the door, and, they, and the angel struck those men that were there wanting to sin with the, the angels and struck them with blindness so that they couldn't find the doorknob how to get, get in there. And he says, listen, we, now we got to get out of here. Let's go now before this happens. Yeah. And so Lot's, because Lot is just trying to hinder, trying to get the rest of his family going. The family's not listening to him. You know, how it is sometimes when you're trying to tell your family, I mean, you got to get things right before it's too late. This place is going to burn up. You know, it's going to burn up. You got you to get your soul right. He's pleading with them. And nobody, they don't want to listen to him. 
So finally, the angels grabbed him by the hand and grabbed him and said, no, you're coming. And he dragged him out of the city. And they, they're going out the city, and, and as they're going out, you know, they, they says, and they said, don't, don't look back. Don't, don't go back there. Don't, you know, go, flee to the mountains and so forth. And as they're going, you know the story. Lot's wife uh, looked back as to miss it, and she turned to a pillow of salt. So here he is. He's going out the city, and all he's got is his two daughters and him. Just three of them out of the whole, out of the whole place. So don't tell me about majorities. All right, <laughs> they got three of them that came out, and really the one that was really the only really one that was righteous was really Lot. His two daughters weren't too good either because they tried to mess up with Lot also. But here we go, and it says, verse six of, chap of Second Peter chapter two. It says, "In turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making." them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. See what the example is that God showed? He destroyed all of them. The majority was not right. They were all wrong. They all had their false doctrine of what they believed and they lost. They ended up burning up to nothing. But look what he says in verse 7. And delivered just Lot. Here's another one. See that word just. That means righteous, blameless, a righteous man. Uh, vexed or made his soul troubled, miserable like with the filthy lives. The conversation means the way the people live of their sins, their wickedness. For that righteous man, that holy man, living among them and seeing and hearing hurt his righteous, vexed him, made him so sorrowful, his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Wow. He was grieved to live in the midst of such a perverted generation. He wasn't going along with them, but they thought he was a weirdo. They thought he was a mess. His whole family wouldn't even go with him and come out of there. They all stayed in there and died and got burned up. But the Lord says this, you feel all alone sometimes? The Lord knows how to deliver the, the, uh, the godly out of temptation, out of trouble, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Wow. Wesley, you want to say something? Yeah, he knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment. Or the day of doom, especially those who live after the lust of the flesh. And that's really what Lot's wife was doing. She looked back and all these warnings are for a reason. Like Lot's, like even Jesus, when he said, remember Lot's wife, if there was no, you know, not going to be a judgment, that's in Luke chapter 17. If there wasn't going to be a judgment, if we looked back then Jesus would give the warning that there would be, um, and so all these warnings are even throughout the Old Testament. If you look through the prophets, you're going to see that there's these days of the Lord. The day of the Lord is this. The day of the Lord is, you know, woe to those who desire the day of the Lord. And all this because there were mock examples of the ultimate great and terrible day of the Lord that will come. And that's when God's going to judge the living and the dead at his appearing. But all these are just examples of like, and what Don is trying to, to tell people is, you have to be prepared, you have to be obedient, or you're gonna fall on the wrong side of this understanding. 
and uh, a couple other passages that come to mind. I mentioned the one in Jude, but it says in Jude verse five, it says, I want to remind you. So Jude says the same thing that Peter is saying in second Peter chapter two, but Jude in verse five, it says, I want to remind you though you once knew this. So it's, it's, it's like people forget. And so they, they forget that, hey, God did this to the ancient world. God destroyed everybody but eight people. And he, you know, he cast a third of the angels down, you know. And so they forget that, hey, God doesn't show partiality. And the same thing that happened to them is what's going to happen to you unless you live different. And this applies to me, this applies to Don, it applies to everybody straight across the board. Uh, there's no favorites in God's kingdom. And so he says, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And then he goes into the angels. He goes into Sodom and Gomorrah. Some of the same stuff. Obviously, Jude was influenced by Peter. But if you take it over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm just going to read a few verses here, and I'll give it right back to you, Don. But... In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual walk, for they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So he, so Paul here to the Corinthians, he's telling them, they were believers. They drank of this spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. They were baptized. They, they were truly saved in, in that sense, in a symbol. Uh, not like the New Testament, but they were followers of God. Uh, in verse 5, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So it wasn't that God was never pleased with them. At some points he was, but at other places where they complained, they murmured, you know, they worshiped the golden calf. God told Moses, get down to your people. He didn't even consider him his people anymore. Uh, and, and then in verse six here, it says, now these things became our examples. Mm, yeah. There are examples, just like what Peter's saying in second Peter, Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels, Noah, and all the people that were destroyed, there are examples because why? Because if we do what they do, did, we get what they got. And that's what he continues to reiterate. Yeah, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, that people sat down to eat and drink like the days of Noah, and they rose up to play nor commit sexual immorality as some of them. And in one day, 3,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ. So on and on, read these passages because they're warnings and people that are scoffers and mockers in the mainstream so-called Christendom, they explain them away and they say, it's all under grace, it's all under the blood of Jesus. And if that be the case, what are, what are these warnings for? Read verse 11 too, Wes. Verse 11? Yeah. Okay. Verse 11 says, uh, okay, gotcha. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Amen. 
Amen. So, so the Lord is showing uh, us examples of what that kind of lifestyle will result in. And that we are to take heed and learn from those things instead of just read them as stories. They're actually, the Lord is showing us that to, to learn from those things. In the book of Romans, um, I think it's, uh, let me see, Romans toward the end of the book of Ro Romans, we'll go to, um, yeah, verse, uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 4. He says this, he says, uh, 15, 4, you time to get there, of Romans. He says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, in second, if you finish that scripture, I want you to turn with me to Second Thessalonians, chapter one. The Thessalonian uh, church was going through a lot of hardship. They were being persecuted for their faith, uh, persecuted for living righteously, just like Lot was going through, and just like um, Abraham, uh, just like Noah, and they were going through a lot, a lot of uh, persecution from those uh, uh, that were uh, that they were living amongst. They were uh, going through tribulation. It says they were going through tribulation. They were enduring it. Uh, and it says here in verse six, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to repay tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So we see here the Lord is saying he's coming with a fiery vengeance to execute that judgment and, and, and um, a punishment upon those that don't know him, and, uh, and knowing him is not just a knowledge him. When knowing him, it means like Adam knew Eve. There's a, um, there's a oneness with him, of being one with Christ. Remember he says in, in Matthew 7, 21, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And those that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say, what does obeying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ have to do with it? Everything. Obedience is necessary for salvation. So we're going to stop in Second Peter, verse 9. We will continue that, uh, the rest of Second Peter, uh, next week. But uh, it's, been, it's been good. Second Peter is going to really, as we get uh, chapter 2, is going to really get, um, going to reveal, really reveal some pretty, pretty amazing stuff going on there. And uh, so you want to you want to be here to finish up chapter two because it's really really good. Amen. Amen.